Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk. Adam Peacock here with Brad Haddon. Hads, how are things? Mate, I'm good. International summers draw to a close. Australia didn't get a clean sweep. The the Western Indians got over them in the dead rubber. Russell scored his runs once every 18 months. He, he came <laughs> off. So, uh, yeah, all in all, now we turn towards the 2020 and test mm. match in New Zealand. Yeah, we've got a bumper show coming up. We're going to recap that third T20 in Perth. Uh, get Hads off and rolling on his rolling 11 for the T20 World Cup. So pressure's on. Every once in a while, I'll just ask you, who's your wonder 11 for the big matches at the T20 World Cup in the middle of the year in the Windies and also the US? We're going to react to Michael Vaughan's comments about England being a chance in the next Ashes. And I'm going to get Hads to react to something I cannot wait to bring up. Oh, I've been set up again, am I? No, no. It pertains to Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes? Yes, he's playing his daughter's test this week. I wouldn't have even known that. Chat to Dan Christian as well. Um, Interesting take with Dan about uh, how the T20 world is and some of his stories. And I think he's got a ripping story to tell about winning an under-19 World Cup as well, Hads, and celebrating in kind. So looking forward to catching up with Dan. Mate, he's a good man, Dan Christian. I I tell you what, I played at the start of his career for for New South Wales. Mm -hmm. He he went from being an aggressive fast bowler who got the yips and missed the wicket. (laughs) So went to leg spinning. Um, that lasted half a season because he couldn't land them. They went back to, to being the all-rounder and the, the finisher we've seen at the uh, latter part of his career. But he was a good celebrator. Yes. Um, DC at the end of a, a win and a series. And, and a loss, actually. <laughs> a tournament. <laughs> Just in life, he was a good celebrator. Yeah. Now, before we get into it, we've got our risers and fallers a bit later on as well. Uh, before we get into it, remember, you can watch today's episode on YouTube Follow us on social media. So hello to everyone who's watching on YouTube and all of that. Just search Will I Talk Podcast on TikTok and Instagram as well on social media. Send us a DM. Leave a comment if you want to get in touch. Alastair Rhodes commented on the video about Steve War showing ads how to slog sweep Jason Gillespie. And that was up earlier in the week. Alistair said, love these old war stories because I was a kid watching these great Mercantile Mutual Cup, Pura Milk, Sheffield Shield and ING Cup matches. Remember the sign? I hit it. You hit it. Yep. Back to that in a moment. I'll just keep going with Alistair's story. Brings back amazing memories, and at the time I wouldn't have realised who or how great a young Brad Haddon was uh-huh. until I was older and he was in the Aussie setup. Keep up the great podcast and content coming, guys. Thank you, Alistair, for that kind message. Bradley Haddon, where and when? WA, yep. straight drive. Mm. Um, hit just to the left of the sight screen. I, I remember cheering with Corey, An- uh, Corey Anderson, Corey Richards, is that long time ago. <laughs> and I remember Justin Langer yeah. coming past and he was a bit serious, JL, back then. We were young guys uh, enjoying ourselves. He goes, it's not a circus out here. And I said, well, it's my effing circus now. I just <laughs> want 160,000. 160K. <laughs> yeah, I think it was around that mark. So pro rata, you got to give to your teammates. But okay. um, yeah, I had to put a bit over the bar that night. <laughs> it went into the central pot did yep. it so it was, a, it was a jackpot situation from memory wasn't it people who come into it these days it's not in existence yeah. there was two at square and two straight was two, there not yeah two straight um couple square Mate, signs not that big like you know probably a meter wide yeah three meters tall Mate, something the, like that with the, the be- sponsor on it well the best one was that there was in the end they had a hole in it <laughs> oh what and if you hit through the hole it was a million dollars and i remember warney did it <laughs> at uh, Bankstown Oval, yeah. and it looked like it was curving back into the <laughs> hole, and everyone's going, oh, like it. And he just said, I don't need it. 
<laughs> Bring it back. Hey, we hit it heaps. Shane Lee hit it. Steve Waugh hit it. Uh, Huss hit it. Um, yeah, we, New South Wales hit it about three times. Shouldn't KFC Big Bash, not giving KFC a free plug, but everyone knows that they're sponsored with buckets. Shouldn't they have like a, a bucket on 45 degrees somewhere in the outfield and that if someone cracks a six and lands in the bucket, some kind of jackpot. Zinger burgers for life or something. I don't know. Mate, I tell you what though, the the sign, if you brought that back now, I, mm. I reckon the modern day player is good enough to yeah, to aim at it. We we weren't we weren't that talented. <laughs> so ours was a genuine fluke if we hit it. So mate, yeah. I remember just, mine was never gonna miss. It was hit the whole way. So what so as soon as you hit it, you went. Mate, that's, I remember saying to Corey, that's going to hit, that's going to hit. Then. <laughs> and it was just, uh, we carried on like we just won the World Cup. But, mate, young blokes, we're only 22. And then JL coming past. Yeah, just, oh, no, mate, it's not a circus. <laughs> mate, I had a quick response. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Let's get into the international stuff. And it's over in Perth that Australia lost the third T20 uh, international on Tuesday night. Australia win the series 2-1, though. But interesting game in the sense that the Windies just flicked a switch. And Australia really struggled to kind of get the tempo right in the chase. They had two or three bad overs where Roston Chase in particular really tied an end down. And Australia had no answers despite all the power hitting in the middle of the order. Did that give a little window about something to improve ahead of the T20 World Cup? Well, I actually think it was a really successful um, campaign for, for Australia. I, I love what they did with that. They left the majority of their better players out. Travis Head's going to come back into the team, Paddy Stark. And I like that they had to prepare under pressure. I thought Tim David did a really good job. He's got a really fixed role in, in his 2020 team where he can get 30 runs off the last two overs, which is going to be beneficial in the conditions in the West Indies. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Spencer Johnson. West Indies, mate, they come good when the pressure was off. Mm. As simple as that. The, the series was over. Russell came out and got 71 off 29. Mm. He does that now and then, not not consistent enough. But, yeah, it, it was a good series. I, I like the surfaces as well. I, I thought mm. the wickets, uh, there was 200 scored in, in every game. So um, the surfaces that were on, on display made from a really good contest. Uh, Dave Warner proved himself again, even though it was weird with Davey with the summer and he was all the talk leading into summer and at the start of summer. And then basically it was like three weeks where there was no Dave Warner in Australia because he was off playing somewhere else and then life moved on. But he came back in and I was like, oh, yeah, he's still got it at T20 level. Well, he's going to be dangerous at the World Cup mm. because this is the the only international cricket he's going to play. He's going to only be training for T20, T20 cricket. And he would have had enough cricket behind him mm. with test cricket and one day cricket in national cricket where his game's still at that high level. So we've seen he's going to be outstanding. He was great at the top. I'll tell you what he did do. See him give the, the man of the match to, to a young kid. Well, that's coming later. Yeah. If you've seen the rundown on the other side of the page here. No, I'd, I'd just like to get in early. <laughs> um, hey, quick one. Uh, the guy who didn't get man of the match, unfortunately, poor old Zamps, copped a bit of tap. One for 65, most expensive T20 bowling figures for Australia. And we saw it in a couple of games at the World Cup. And also South Africa went after him, if I'm not mistaken, in a series over there before the World Cup that they targeted, like big, big target on Adam Zampa, take him down. Now, easier said than done. Yep. But is that what other teams are going to have to try and do to Australia? Well, I, I can't believe teams haven't done it more. You, mm. You've seen it in, in South Africa. We're up 2-0 and we lost the last three. That was off the back of Adam Zampa being targeted. World Cup. He didn't have the best two games to, to start the tournament. They targeted him. All of a sudden, we lost that. He got back into form. If I was playing Australia, 
I know you've got Stark, Cummins, you've got all these all-rounders, but I'd be going after Adam Zampa. Yeah. If you go after Adam Zampa, and it's shown over a long period of time, if he's not bowling well, you you beat Australia. He's been outstanding for, for a number of years. So, mate, I reckon you need that tattoo. You need someone to be brave enough to, mm. to take Zampa on and take him out of the game. And then put a bit of pressure back on the all-rounders, make them have to bowl the tough overs without Zampa there. So great tactic from the West Indies. 27 men's players used this summer. Only Josh Hazelwood played all formats. So the Hoff around central contracting time next time can put his hand out and say, I'm doing it all for you guys. Uh, debuts to um, Bartlett, the Rooster and Sutherland. Only 12 used in the test series, which we've all talked about over the course of the summer because the, the good players are staying fit and the first choice is staying fit. Not a lot anyone else can do. But are you seeing that utilising these players like Xavier Bartlett, Fraser McGurk, he's a way off a, a test yep. team. Uh, Will Sutherland, perhaps, he's got a few ahead of him as well. But that's the way that you're being kind of positioned to get into the red ball team, the white ball team, or is it still a traditional method with state cricket? Well, what, what I really w enjoyed is Bartlett got in off the back of some really consistent performance at, at state cricket. Mm -hmm. And what we did see is he swings the ball up front. We've yep. we seen it in his, his one-day debut and, and we're now seeing his 2020 debut. So... All of a sudden now you get a little bit of an appetite to go, well, I wonder how you'd go in English conditions. Maybe the next Australian A tour, wherever it is, we, we give Bartlett a go with the new ball, the new red ball, and, and maybe we, we found another bowling-like bowler for, for a couple of years. Yep. So I, I like that these guys get opportunities. And I, I've said it a number of times, I like that they get opportunities when not all the big players are there, where they have to perform, where the captain has to go back to them when they're under pressure. But the impressive thing about Bartlett, was that he swung the ball up the top. So hmm. straight away after that, seeing the one day or in 2020, I know your analytic mind goes, I wonder how that would work in English conditions. Yeah. So, yeah, great opportunity. He's taken it. I thought Spencer Johnson hmm. was outstanding also. I'm interested to see what happens in the next 12 months to 18 months with him. In I'm, what way? Well, I think he's going to be around about the whiteboard team. Hmm. I'm the other way. I think we could have a test bowler on our hands here. So what what I'd like to see is that maybe starts to play more red ball for for South Australia. We mm. maybe taken on a tour with, with the test team just to see how they they train, how they prepare, how the intensity changes. We we've seen that with Morris. Yeah. So I, I don't want to pigeonhole him as as a white ball. I, I think we could have something really special that we need to start sort of getting a bit of a plan together what it would look like if one of the quicks went down, say Mitchell Stark uh, yeah. against India. What makes you think he's as good a proposition red ball as opposed to white ball? Well, one, his pace. Yeah. His pace and the the, the lengthy bowls. So look, looking at everything he does, imagine mm. that for 15 to 18 overs in a test match. He yeah. can bowl 150. He swings a new ball when given the opportunity. His lengths were outstanding as well. So, yeah, I, mm. I'm interested to see. And I know George Bailey and Andrew McDonald, they'll have these plans in, in place. So don't be surprised if we see him pop up around a bit more red ball cricket because, yeah, if we lose, say, a Stark for a test match, mate, yeah. I, I reckon this guy can do the job. Next up for the T20 squad is New Zealand. It's in about a week's time. Mitchell Santner will lead the Kiwi squad. Kane Williamson is on parental leave. Trent Bolt named for the second and third T20s, but Australia full tilt for these games because I think it's the last chance, isn't it, before the T20 World Cup to have a good look at them? There yeah. Might be a little couple of games later in the year. But anyway, okay, Hats. 
pressure's on here. Yeah, I know you love pressure. I know you just kind of sprinkle on your cornflakes each morning and go, that's my pressure for the day. <laughs> I want a rolling T20 World Cup first 11 from you. And oh. this is the first chance to give us that 11 as you sit right now. Say the first game is tomorrow in the US and the Caribbean. Who's your wonder 11? Go. Warner and Head to open. Yes. Marsh, Maxwell, and I'm tossing up at five between Stoinis and Green. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Marcus Stoinis. Um, I think he's been really handy with the ball. He's got a, a strike rate of a 150 in the in the last 12 months in 2020. Tim David and Wade at six and seven, whatever order they that decides in. I'm having David for the back end of the game. I think he can give us a point of difference. Yep. In the World Cup in the last three overs where you go from a total of getting 160, he can take you to a 210. Mm. So I think he's worth the risk as a role player. Two quicks I'm going in with, Paddy and Stark. Josh Mm. Hayes would obviously be in the squad and conditions will depend on whether you play the three quicks. Zampa comes in as a spinner. And I'm also having in my team Mm. Tanvi Sanger. Second spinner. Yep. I want more options in the Caribbeans. Wicket dependent. Wicket dependent. So that, like, US wickets, are we really sure? We don't play in the US. We don't play? Even in the knockout rounds if we get through? No. At all? No, we're playing. Yeah, we're in the Caribbean. So give us a rundown of those decks. Uh, Well, traditionally. Traditionally, they're they're tied surfaces. People with pace off the ball and spin have a big role to to play over there. We've seen that the way the, the West Indies play their 2020 cricket. So... I've got Hazelwood there, and I think Hazelwood, Cummins, and Stark, they'll, they'll chop and change it depending on conditions. But I want the extra spinner. So you don't trust Glenn Maxwell to play that role like yep. he did really well at the World Cup? Yep, Maxwell's playing the role. There, there might be games where Tambi Sanger bowls two overs. Yeah. But I, I want him to be there as a, as a wicket-taking option. We know Zampa's been outstanding. If teams do start to target Adam Zampa, mm. you've got a different sort of leg spinner. He, he goes up above the eyes. He, he's got more turn from right to left than Zampa. He can beat the right-hander on the outside. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking Tanvi Sanger in the 11. With T20s, do you find that you, you could go in with your five designated bowlers, but do you find that teams – are going in with seven options or, or sometimes eight options and that's how you play yeah. T20. Even though you've only got 20 overs to get through, you need a whole heap of options because it can get away from you real well, quick. Well, tactically you need options. If you've got five bowls, you know as a batting group, okay, today I'm, I am taking a risk to target Adam Zampa mm. and you might sacrifice two wickets because if you get hold of him, um, they've got no one else to go to. So the one thing in Australia's favour, they've got a lot of options. They're, they've got Stoinis, Marsh, Maxwell, Head can bowl a couple of overs if needed. So it's match scenarios where you take mm. – you've got your, your plans where you go in and and this – we're going to bowl head maybe to a couple of left-handers. You've got Zampa who will match up well with different players. But I, I want the option to, to have another spinner in the side. Steve Smith in your squad? Steve Smith is – yeah, yes, at this stage. I, I haven't gone into 13, 14, 15. I'll come back mm. with that. Um, Josh Eng- Inglis will have to be. I was going to say, so you've gone Wade over Inglis. How come at this stage? Well, Matthew Wade, I, I think, has been outstanding at the back end of the game. And, mm. and we've seen that um, when they won in the, the UAE. The knocks he played under pressure. You've got Mitch Marsh there as well, who's, who's a young captain, finding his feet. Matthew Wade's a really good tactician. And I don't think he's done enough to to be dropped. Josh Inglis will eventually get that spot. But with the World Cup being so close, 
Yeah. Um, Wade being a left-hander, mate, he's great at the back end of the game. Tactically, he's really good. So, yeah, I, I'm starting with Matty Wade. I'm going to hold you to account for all of those ones throughout the course. And, uh, yeah, we'll do that. Hads is rolling 11 for the T20 World Cup from an Australian perspective. Now, Hads, I want to turn focus to India, England. Uh, so third yeah. test, bit of news around. K.O. Rowell's out of the third test. Big loss. Big loss. Vera Coley's not playing, of course, but Jack Leach, conversely, has gone back to England. He's picked up a knee injury. The English are well-rested after eight days playing golf in uh, Dubai. Really good prep for the uh, Smart move. third test. Smart move. Smart move, yeah. Okay. We, we did a lot of our prep at, at the back end of my career. We we spent a lot of our preparation for India in, in the UAE. Mm. One, one, you get the heat. Um, you got the facilities there at, at the cricket grounds there, which is the same sort of surfaces the, the ICC as, as you do yep. in India. But you go and play a tour game in India, you, you come up against a team with five medium paces on a green wicket. So <laughs> you, you're not getting any practice for you the test match. So you, you might as well be in the UAE. You, you've got the comforts of home. You can you can relax and get away from the, the hustle and bustle of, of India. So I, I think it's a really smart move what England did. Apart from one player, uh, Rehan Ahmed. Oh, not again. The poor guy. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a re-entry visa. So he's got a temporary one for a couple of days. They're sorting it out. But, um, yeah, he kind of got stopped at the gates to say, hey, mate, uh, you're actually legally not allowed to come in here. So, But to their credit, captain and coach stayed behind with player to sort it all out with immigration officials and team manager. They sorted it out, got him in the country on a temporary one, so they'll sort it out overall. But that's not what I really want to talk to you about, Hads. What I really want to bring up is an article in The Times written by Mike Atherton. Oh, this would be a good read. Uh, it, it was a good read. Very good journal. Put you to sleep. Uh, no, no, I, I learned a lot from Mike Athen. The way he uses the English language is um, impressive. But he's written good a uh, – it's basically an ode to Ben Stokes because it's his 100th test. And congratulations, Ben Stokes. We'll yep. maybe chuck him in a riser because 100 tests, not easily done. Big effort. Big effort. It is very, well, favourable to Ben Stokes. They do love Where him. Where are you going with this? <laughs> Mike Atherton writes <laughs> – <clears throat> Stokes's character and aptitude for the occasion at the highest level were immediately in evidence following a stand-up confrontation with Brad Haddon in 2013 Ashes Series, Australia's experienced wicketkeeper in the first match and a maiden hundred in the second. This is quotes from the time. I wouldn't get yourself much further into this one with him, mate. Haddon was warned by Anderson in Adelaide. He doesn't quite know the difference between on and off the pitch, if you know what I mean. Nutter, said Matt Pryor to Haddon, nodding in Stokes's direction. Haddon did not utter a word after that. Immediately, Australia's players knew they were dealing with a character to be reckoned with. And in Perth, after a brilliant hundred, they knew they were dealing with a cricketer to be reckoned with. Michael Atherton, The Times, this week. Your response, Bradley? My response is, I've never heard more crap in my life. <laughs> One of I can't remember talking to Jimmy Anderson about and someone in their first test match, what were meant to be intimidated by Ben Stokes. I'll tell you what did happen in yeah. that test match. So this was his debut in Adelaide. Yeah, there was a confrontation mid wicket and we started it. Before the test match, we we heard that Ben Stokes was going to play. We didn't know anything of him. We don't know Ben Stokes is, but one of our assistant coaches, Michael DiVanuto, played at Durham. He said, Oh, he's a bit of a hothead um, and it affects his game. So if he's seen in they said, go for it. Jono and I went, yeah, yeah, if we've seen in. So it was a plan. Mitch Johnson, you're saying, yeah. Jono. Yeah. If there was a plan, if you've seen your moment, 
Mm. Maybe you can you can niggle him enough. Mm. Anyway, got the better of me. <laughs> he nicked me off for yeah. fifty, yeah. and as I was walking off, there was a huge cheer. And I thought, hang on a minute, that, that's our guys cheering. That, that's the Aussie crowd. And, and I looked up on the screen, no ball. So I, I've worked, walked <laughs> back in, and and as I've walked past Ben Stokes, I. I congratulated him on his first test wicket. <laughs> you bastard. So I found my opening. <laughs> so he's blown up. He's going on like this. He blew up, did he? Yeah. He's he's blown. I'm going, mate, I'm going back at him. Bowled the next ball, got under it, walked to Michael Clark, and Clark goes, you got him here. I said, I think we have. Yeah. I, I said, I'll keep going. So I kept congratulating him on his first <laughs> test wicket. Every over. Yeah, turned his back. And and I went to the um, non-strikers then. Yeah. And Murray, Erasmus, the, the umpire, he said, you've got this, Giddy. I said, mate, <laughs> it, it was quite amusing. So for Anderson and Pryor, I never, I went on to get 100. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I wasn't the one who was being quiet. So and, Matt Pryor didn't say nutter. And Jimmy Anderson did not, like, what so are you well. saying? What, be intimidated by Ben Stokes? What was he going to do? <laughs> mate, he was a kid playing test match. Like, well, they didn't get their facts right there. But uh, I did wind him up. It, it was yeah. a confrontation in the middle, but I got the 100. He got fine his match fee. I didn't get any. So, but no, I I don't think I'd be intimidated by Ben Stokes. How did the series end? Five nil. Yeah, I thought so. I thought. Mate, good story case. for the Times. He's no, celebrating his hundredth test. But uh, yeah, was, was but, there much chat from Stokes throughout the the rest of that series? I tell you what, he did do. Mm. He got a good hundred in Perth. Mm. And, and the one thing I, I did notice about him is how hard he hit the ball, mm. and he wanted to compete. He wanted to be in the contest. Not a lot of the English players did. Pryor, I think, got dropped by the end of that series. Who else? Trot went home. Yep. Graham Swan. Swan retired off. at yep. Perth. But, yeah, he, he was he wanted to compete. He, he wanted yeah. to, to be in the contest. He enjoyed the enjoyed the big moment of a test match, which, which everyone did. So, But mm. with uh, Anderson saying, well, you better watch out. Be scared <laughs> of this kid, mate. You're dreaming. <laughs> he is a bit of a specimen, though, Ben Stokes. He's a... What's you know, a, what, what do you? What's the specimen? What do you? Like he's an athlete. He's a natural athlete. Oh my gosh! What is this? <laughs> no MMA saying, or something. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of intimidation, I'm not saying that you're packing Freddos about it. Never. But it, it has carried him through, and he's got a reputation of being able to physically dominate an attack. No, what he's he got not? a reputation of is standing up in big moments. True. It, it's it's nothing about being physical or intimidating opposition, mm. but he's got an appetite. Would you want him on your team? No, he's English. <laughs> and a he's Kiwi saying there's no way he's on my team. That couldn't Kiwi. be the worst. <laughs> no. No. In a world without passports, though, he's the type of cricketer that you no, want. No, no deep team. down where he's from. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't bring yourself <laughs> to look through no, your own bias no. to say no, I'm taking Watto every day. He's what? a big intimidating <laughs> unit and he's Aussie. Right. I'll give you one last chance. Is this guy a good cricketer? Very good cricketer. Very good. Thank you, Bradley. Very good cricketer. <laughs> yes. And he, he's- 100 tests. 100 tests, longevity. And that's the sign of yeah, great players who, who can play for a long time and, and continue to perform under pressure. And that's the one thing he's done. Mm. That, that's the one thing he's done in his career. He's, he's walked into the fire in big moments. We've seen that in, in his captaincy. But the Anderson- and prior, <laughs> that must have been a conversation between Slips and Gully because I wasn't involved in that. He has impressed me as a captain. I don't know. I don't know enough about 
tactics on field to say definitively he's a brilliant tactician, but what I see is him as a motivator and a guy who can, you know, react to different personalities of his teammates and you're reading it all, so you're not knowing it all. It looks from the outside in that he's a pretty good leader. You can point towards how good a tactician the guy is. Is he up there as a captain? Well, what he, he is, surprised you? Mate, what he has got is that everyone in that team behind him and following every decision he makes. Mm. And he's got an appetite to to win. He, he's trying to find ways to to win. He's finding ways with Brendan McCullum to to change the game. And he's he's getting the best out of this English team. So yeah, he he's um he's done a wonderful job, mate. It's great to to get to hundred tests, but Atherton, you've got your facts wrong. Athers, I just want to congratulate Athers for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> because if he doesn't write that, we don't have that. <laughs> and all those stories going up on social media, I do Mate, say. what about saying I was quiet? <laughs> I went from 50 to 100 in a blink of an eye. <laughs> There's one thing I can guarantee. I wasn't there. I was probably watching on TV. But knowing Brad Haddon as I do now, there's one thing more certain than the sun coming up in the east each morning is that no way in the world you were quiet. <laughs> I, I reckon Ever. I reckon there's a picture, Sam will find it, where I'm standing there with, with Michael Clark, I'm facing Clark, and we're both, I think you can see me laughing, and Pup goes, here he goes, you're going to go again? I said, yeah, 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 watch this. And I reckon we're looking back laughing and Stokes is coming over the top. As ben will find, um, Sam will find it. Outstanding. Quick one on Michael Vaughan's comments as well on the next Asher series, which is a while off, but it'll be here before you know it, of course. England stand a great chance in the next Ashes in Australia in 25-26. Points out England have 20 tests before then. Australia only have 11 there's an old team that's won everything could be jaded by the time this game, this series is played. No replacement for Nathan Lyon. Lack of depth of fast bowling talent. Not rotating the quicks against the Windies. Batting scars with only 200s this summer. Green has technical flaws around off stump. Can't see loads of other batters knocking down the door. No Warner. The team has no mongrel. Thoughts? Far out. Well, Vaughn, has been doing his research <laughs> this summer. Well, he's got a great analytical mind, actually. Michael Vaughan, and he sees the, the game the right way. And, and I think the series is going to be a cracker. What England are trying to do with Test cricket up against an Australian team that that play our home conditions as, as well as anyone. The interesting thing about all this is he, he's talking there about not having the same personnel in 25-26. England are going to be exactly the same. Anderson? Well, you have, Probably not. You have no Anderson. Where, where, where's Wood going to be? Yeah. Like how many tests can he play out here? We we know he has a, a huge effect on the game, but that, that might be one and four. Yeah. Um, you, you need him playing more. And they got um, – Ollie Robinson. Ollie Robinson will do a role yep. uh, I'm out here, but he won't be as, as effective as most because you need some pace. So Joffre back by then maybe? Well, we, what, what's Joffre want to do? Yeah. We haven't seen there. So in, England have got their own concerns. They'll um, have a couple come out, obviously. They'll, they've got a talent line, whether or not that talent line is good enough to match up to what we'll have on offer around that time. Well, and you're talking about, he says, oh, there's no replacement for Nathan Lyon. Well, what, what do we need one for? Mm. Um, Nathan Lyon's missed one test in, in 120, so his resilience are outstanding. And I think we do. We do. We, we've Two got, tests. Two tests. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, we lost after that. Two that they did well in. Yeah, yeah true. You got Tanvi Sanger. Um, you, you got Murphy. Um, Developing still. Yeah, both there, of them. There, there's enough there. To, the, the series will be a cracker. There's good points, but yeah, no, I, I think Vaughn dreaming. Uh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, two former England captains sticking their head above uh, surface level and um, taken off by Brad Haddon. Anyway, <laughs> back in a moment with Dan Christian. 
We're back on Willow Talk with a very special guest today. And this man, Brad Haddon, you said to me when we had lined him up and producer Sam lined him up, he said, oh, what? You got him off a golf course. Dan Christian joining us now, who has recently, <laughs> of course, retired from cricket. Dan, you, it doesn't look like, as we look at you right now on the video, it doesn't look like you're on a golf course. So um, we've we've been able to uh, get some time with you when you don't have the sticks in your hands. Yeah, I, well, right now I don't, but out that window is a is a golf <laughs> course. So. I told you. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, That's actually, life now, is it? Basically, yeah, it is. It is as much as I as much as I possibly can in between sort of coaching commitments and a little bit of fox fox cricket and uh, daddy daycare of my two year old. I'm playing as much golf as possible. Excellent. Um, you mentioned the coaching commitments. What are they? I uh, did the Sydney Thunder in the BBL, which was really good fun, uh, working under Trevor Bayliss, who was my he was my New South Wales under-19s coach. And so nice to reunite with him and work with Dan Smith and, and Sean Bradstreet on that coaching team as well, who I both played some junior stuff with and against when I was at New South Wales back in the day. So, yeah, nice to work with those guys. We didn't have a great tournament, but um, being only a 10-game season this year, it was you had to get off to a really good start, and unfortunately, we uh, we lost a few close ones and just weren't able to get back into it. Yeah, I'm not. Don't really want to talk about the the start you, you had with the Thunder. What I want to talk about, Danny, is your learnings. How, how was it going from playing? I know you did some work with the Netherlands, and and they were successful uh, when you got involved with them. But what were your learnings out of your your first introduction to coaching in Australia? Yeah, it was an interesting one. You, you you sort of go in with some ideas of how you want to, I guess, impart your knowledge on the group and, and help different guys out that I've played a lot against. You know, guys like you know, Dan Sams, Chris Green, Ollie Davies, you know, blokes like that that I've Nathan McAndrew, those guys that sort of play that middle order kind of role that I that I did for that I did for quite a while. So having played against them and and got some some of my own ideas on on how I may have been able to, you know, help them out. The difficult thing, the most difficult thing I found with 2020 tournaments and Hads, you would have seen this a little bit yourself, is yeah. because they're so short and sharp, it, it's hard to really give too much, give too much of too many of your ideas and, and um, in such a short amount of time, you want to make sure that the guys are in a really good headspace and, you know, they're feeling good about what they're about to do and you because you don't have a lot of time to really impress yourself on them you've you've got to sort of do bits and pieces as, as much as you can and but still make them feel as, as comfortable as possible what i don't get dan with with some um recently retired cricketers is that they i don't know what place you were in but i've heard some other stories of guys when they were done they were done like had says that he just woke up one day and he went i'm i'm fried i'm done i'm cooked whether it be quickly or eventually you find yourself back in the game somehow either coaching or, or media or, or whatever you're trying to do, all of the above, What like don't you want to go off and do something else in life or is it just the games in your blood and you can't get rid of it? Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly it. The thing that I found the most in my last season was that I'd had enough of was the training. I found the training. The training was getting boring to me and it wasn't really – I wasn't pushing myself as much as I had in – in years gone by when I'd been playing some really good cricket. And subsequently, I wasn't training that well, so then I'd be getting to games and I knew I was underdone and then going out there mm. without that same level of confidence that I had done in the past. So after having a bit of a break, you retire and then you have a bit of a break and then you get a little bit itchy to be around the 
around the boys again. And, you know, as you say, it's the game's in your blood. So, and I still love the game of cricket. I'm playing a little bit down in the country now, which is fantastic because I don't have to train. But then I'm still getting my fix by doing that, by <laughs> being, <laughs> doing that by, you know, being at the Thunder and, and, and then doing the Fox stuff as well. So it's a, um, I'm finding it's a really good balance at the moment. And, you know, I'm getting that, getting that fix of being in the change room and still being around the team. And playing golf a lot. And playing golf a lot. <laughs> a lot. Exactly right. Uh, Dan, you, you've won titles uh, titles all over the world. You, you, wherever you went, you, you just look, oh, Dan Christian's there, there's, mm. there's going to be another title. But <laughs> where, where does the big bash stand with, with all the other titles uh, you, you've been involved in and the competitions? They're right up there. I think just because it's, you know, my home, my home tournament. So first one in BBL2 for the Brisbane Heat. Spent a couple of years there. I spent four years there and, and really enjoyed my my time and my experience there. And that was when the Big Bash, you know, just kicked off. We had the state-based one at the beginning that was that was great fun. And we were pretty surprised that they actually decided to go down the the more city-based and change all the names and change yeah. the colours and and whatever. I think we won. I think we might have won the last one when I was at South Australia. We won the very last one of the of the state-based ones, and and yeah, did. we were getting. You know, twenty twenty five thousand at the Adelaide Oval to watch those to watch those games and and absolutely loved it. So we were really surprised that they that they changed it. But then when they did change it, the crowds got even better, the TV coverage got even better, the competitions just just grown and grown and and gotten better and better. So I think playing in front of your home crowd and um, in your home stadiums, you know, being able to play at the Adelaide Oval packed out, the SCG packed out, the MCG packed out. Yeah, it's really, really special, and and so from that perspective, I guess the ones, the, I guess the ones that I've won at home are, are probably the best, probably the most enjoyable. Mate, you got more tracksuits than uh, a racket, Vinny's. Basically, <laughs> you've um, like the, the amount of teams that you've played for. Just going. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough too. Great pickup. Go down to your local vintage. You might cop either a Delhi Daredevils, uh, Karachi Kings, Molten Sultans, Rising Pune Super Giants, Trinidad uh, Night Riders, Barbados Tridents, Deccan Chargers. Uh, what else we got here? Royal Cha- Challengers, Bangalore. They're the overseas ones. Um, most out there experience throughout all of that. Molten Sultans went over there, and the at that stage the. Pakistan was closed to international cricket and we yeah. uh, had majority of the tournament, well, the whole tournament was played in uh, Dubai and then the finals were going to be in Pakistan and it was the first time any team had travelled to Pakistan, any teams or any competition had been on in Pakistan. So went over to Dubai and and rumblings in the news, there were bombings up the north of Pakistan and we were like, oh, no, there's no chance we're going. It's not going to happen. Anyway, we end up going. So we're on this, they fly us in there on an Emirates flight and we land and security gets on and tells all the players, it's just a normal commercial flight. We, security gets on, tell us to just wait. We're going to wait on the side or we go up the front and we wait on the side up the front. All the passengers get off and then we get off and instead of going into the terminal, we go down the stairs onto the tarmac and there is military everywhere. So we are, we're, we're shitting ourselves. There's, and then we get into this bus. It's like a 22-seat bus and it's bomb-proof. So you get inside it. Had you might have been on one of these over there at some stage, but they're like the walls in this thing, are uh, they're a foot thick. There's hardly, the windows are like, they're about that big. You're like you're in in the bottom of a ship. And then off you go in this. Don't fart. Yeah, and off you go in this convoy of, (laughs) of, um, of 
military. So in front of you, you've got a couple of sort of Toyota Hiluxes and there's, there's you know, six or seven army officers in the back all with machine guns and then they're behind you and then you look up and there's snipers on the roof of the, of the hotels, all the roads are shut. So if I wasn't scared before we got there, <laughs> I, was, I definitely was by the time we arrived. It was, it was extraordinary. And the whole, it was actually really, really safe. And the whole point of having that level of security was to try and try and make us feel even safer. But it was, uh, it sort of gave the, it gave the opposite, <laughs> it gave the opposite, um, gave the opposite idea to all of us. We flew in the morning of the game, landed about six or seven in the morning we played at lunchtime and we were on the 4 30 emirates flight back to dubai that afternoon and that was it done holy moly so that Amazing. was that's that's probably Amazing. the most and crazy yeah but it was awesome the crowds absolutely oh, loved the- it and and yeah. you know i'm glad that cricket's gone back to pakistan now because it is a beautiful place to play and the people are really welcoming and and the cricket's great over there as well mm. it's interesting you say that because I, I played in the first edition of the psl in dubai and we were lucky enough to to make the final. And we had the great um, Wazim the banker. He, he was he was with us as as one of our assistant coaches. And I remember talking about the players are talking about pressure in the final. Wazim goes, "You guys don't understand pressure. Had you know, there's about three hundred million watching this game at home. There's no pressure on you whatsoever. You just think, oh. But it, it, their, their passion for the game over there, Dan, was it, it's hard to explain. The closest thing you can do to explain it is. When India played Pakistan in the 2020 at the yeah. MCG, that's tenfold what happens in those tournaments, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. They're, um, you know, Pakistan, Pakistan Super League and, and the IPL. They're as they're as fanatical as you as you'll get. So, you know, when they end up playing against each other in international cricket, you can understand why it's uh, why it goes berserk. And international cricket, Dan, 43 games for Australia. Mm. You happy with where that all ended? I think in hindsight I have to be Hads, yeah. Yep. But, you know, at different stages I certainly would have liked to have had more opportunities, particularly early on, because I just don't feel that I played anywhere near my best cricket when I had an Australian shirt on. You know, I probably played my best cricket in that period in the middle, sort of after I'd made my debut in my early, in my late 20s, and then when I ended up not playing in my sort of early to mid-30s, that's when I was when I was playing my, my best cricket. Got a Got a nice to get an opportunity during COVID when we went over to Bangladesh and the West Indies for a couple of 2020 series. Yeah, that was that was nice, a nice reward, I guess, for the for the few years of success that I'd been having in domestic cricket around the world. But yeah, feel like I I, I probably missed my opportunity. Well, I missed my chance to really nail it down when I when I did play. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to have an opportunity again a little bit later. Well, mate, you got a one-day international hat trick at the MCG. That's debatable, actually. So, well, I want to ask this. Uh, so, Mike Hussey did a great job on the road. It missed four sets of stumps. <laughs> the second not. one was LB, and the third one. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Dan explain it. Uh, Dan, <clears throat> if that was you that was wrapped on the pad for that third one, oh, would you walked. be happy that you were tucking the the bat under the uh, the arm? No, I would have walked it, but it looked absolutely plumb live. <laughs> we, Your um, bat would have ended up in Bay 13. <laughs> <laughs> we were really lucky. I was, I was lucky. To be fair, I was lucky that series because 2012, 11-12, and DRS had started around the world. There were lots of, lots of series going on that had DRS. However, at that stage, Sachin and MS Dhoni, they didn't trust it yet. So whenever India played in any series, then there was no DRS. So we played this <laughs> we played this series without it, and 
Yeah. First one caught on the fence. Second one was was plum, and then the third one was probably just missing leg reverse swinging. But yeah, thankfully Rod Tucker <laughs> umpire's caught. Rod Tucker got caught up in the moment and and went up with <laughs> with me and the rest of the crowd and <laughs> got myself a one day hat trick. <laughs> I like the fact that he spins it positively by saying it was a beautiful reverse swinging ball. You know, it was doing well. Yeah, he set him up for it. He didn't see it coming. Whatever like that. Hey, just back to the start of your career, mate. So under nineteen World Cup, which the Aussie boys got done. Uh, this week, which was great to see. You won it in 02. Um, was there any inkling of the personalities that would become of Cameron White, uh, George Bailey, and in particular one of Hads' favourite humans on earth, Sean Marsh? Sean Marsh, yeah. Well, Sean had already played, he probably already played 10 or 15 Shield games by then. We were only 18. Cam had mm. already been playing for Victoria as well. It was a pretty it was a pretty amazing team we had. I think there's only one guy that hasn't gone on to play sort of state cricket at some sort of level. We had a few guys, like Jared Burke ended up playing 2020s for New South Wales. He opened the batting for us. And then you had Craig Simmons, who scored a couple of great BBL hundreds uh, a while ago. And then Sean Marsh, Cameron White, George Bailey, Mark Cosgrove, Adam Crosswaite ended up playing a lot of state cricket. Bo Casson played test cricket. Xavier Doherty played test cricket. Aaron Bird, who was one of the quickest bowlers in the country for a while there. Rob Castle did well for South Australia and Victoria. And then myself, I was on the bench uh, for the final. Craig Phillipson played a lot for Queensland. I think Adam Fleming was a fast bowler from New South Wales. He was the other one. Didn't end up, he was probably the only one that didn't play some sort of state cricket. So very, very successful team and did not look like losing a game at all throughout the tournament. So did I think that so many of us had end up going on and and playing for Australia and having decent first-class careers? Probably not, but um, yeah, certainly Certainly, an extremely talented team. I um, was lucky enough to be the bowling coach for the for those Aussie, Aussie nineteen boys a few months ago. They had their own Ashes tour over to England and played some one days and and um, a couple of four day matches against England. So I got to know them quite well. So yeah, and they were they're a fantastic group of boys, and and I'm not really surprised that they had the success they did in the last few weeks in that World Cup. But I sent a few of messages after after the game the other night and said, I hope you're I hope you're doing what Sean Marsh, myself, George Bailey and Adam, Adam Crossway did after the game and you're sleeping on the cricket pitch. We went out. We went out. In, you're uh, Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, Barnaby <laughs> Joyce. <laughs> Was he the team manager? <laughs> yeah. Wayne Phillips, actually. He's, he's, a, he's the cricket version of Barnaby oh Joyce, God. I guess. <laughs> we... Um, <laughs> we uh, we're in Christchurch in New Zealand and, and the tournament was held at Lincoln University, which is just outside Christchurch, and we were staying at the university and we went out in town that night. There's an enormous sports bar pub place in, in Christchurch, or there used to be anyway, called the Holy Grail. It's kind of like a big amphitheatre and it was an enormous joint. And we got out of there, at, I don't know, maybe 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, got back to the hotel and and decided um, we didn't want to go to bed, so we we... Sort of picked up all our dunas and and pillows and whatever else we could carry and took them back out onto the onto the ground and with a few more drinks and just sat in the middle of the wicket and eventually went to sleep. <laughs> How good. How good. I don't think we can pop that top that story, Dan. So we're going to let you go and uh, get your your driver in your hand and um, do what you love doing at the moment in your spare time. But uh, mate, that awesome story to finish with. Thanks so much for joining us and um, we'll catch up soon on Willow Talk once more. No worries. Thanks, gents. Thanks for having me. 
Before we get to rises and fallers, Hads, just what Dan touched on just then, falling has ever slept on a cricket <laughs> wicket? <laughs> and if it, 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 it's not yeah. a Valentine's Day theme here. Well, so I don't want to know about back it. in your Queanbeyan days yeah. if you took a, a young lady down to show her what you do. you got you got a sick mind. <laughs> sick. But I tell you what I have seen on cricket wickets. What? On a Saturday, Sunday game. Yeah. 35 degrees one day, 35 and a half the next. Mm. How there can be a wet spot in one part of the wicket. I've seen ice just grow on a good length in <laughs> in different times in um, club cricket back in Canberra. It was it was funny how the the surface could change mm. so much. But remarkable no, knowing where your mind's going, you might have been the problem on some no, of those wickets. Wouldn't have been me. Wouldn't have been me. Uh, rises and fallers, Bradley. Dave Warner for giving, uh, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, for giving this young fan a player of uh, the series trophy, not the safest trophy. It's got some like kind of jagged edges at the top there, but uh, hopefully got it home safe and sound. It's a nice little memento for the little fella. Well, I, if you have watched closely enough, watch the modern-day player when, when they get out. Mm. Like David Warner nearly does, does it every test match. He, he walks off and, and there's kids over the race. He hands them the, his gloves. Yep. You've seen a number of players do it. I've seen Steve Smith. I've seen Marnus. So that, those little moments get um, missed. So I'm glad, David, um, this one got seen. Look, we're just looking at the the photo of the young fella there. Um, he smiles mm. from ear to ear. And I tell you what, that's the last time David Warner will be ever seen in Australian colours in Australia. Yeah, good point. Nice parting gift. Good memorabilia well. piece from a young fa- for a young fan. Uh, Test cricket today back at the Wacker, which is great to see the Australian women taking on uh, South Africa's women. And Mike Hussey was at training giving tips to Beth Mooney. Um, what's the best piece of advice Mr. Cricket gave you, Hads? I, I hope he didn't give uh, Beth Mooney the same advice he gave me. Which was? He said, play every game for Australia like it's your last. Okay. Which is great. Yeah. But also celebrate every game for Australia like it's last. <laughs> Win, lose, or draw. So Mr. Cricket gave me great advice. And halfway yeah. through the conversation, Maurice came into that and said, <laughs> celebrate or commiserate. So Maurice every- is Mr. Hussey. <laughs> Maurice Hussey <laughs> and Mr. Cricket. So we, we look at Mike Hussey as like this just complete Legend. cricket nerd. Yeah. And, you know, straighty 180. Yeah. But he could get a little loose with the best of them. No. What, where Huss was the best fun. And he's not here to defend himself, no, so I shouldn't go too he, far. He doesn't have to. be. Where he was the best fun, Huss mm. enjoyed every win for Australia. Okay. A- as I did. Yep. But we also had to solve some problems of the world when we lost them. So <laughs> we spent equal amount of time in the change room, win, yeah, yeah. lose, or draw. So he would, after a loss, he would sit there and just – Try and work it all out there and then. Right, yeah. Then once that's done, you, you go to training two yeah. days later or three, depending on what you really had to get into and, and get ready for the next match. But uh, his best piece of advice was play every game for Australia like it was your last. And and Huss and I both debuted uh, in Test Cricket when we were 30. So, hmm. mate, every game we had was a bonus. Yep. Nice uh, nice work, though, from Huss to, to help out the Australian women's ahead of that uh, big Test match. And another riser, Sean Von Berg. 37-year-old debuting for South Africa in the second test, if I can call it that, against New Zealand in Hamilton. On your Shawnee, test debut. Well, yeah, there's a lot of talk about South Africa sending their B team, but Sean, 37 years of age, 
in his wildest dreams, he would never thought he's going to get a test match. And now he's standing in front of New Zealand team eye-to-eye mm. playing in a test match. Well done. How good. Uh, fallers, Nick Maddinson not offered a contract by the Renegades. BBL signing embargo still in play, but expect some player movement, by the way. Josh Brown, who made a name for himself late in the BBL, obviously, this season, uh, he's linked to the Gades. So, yeah, Nick yeah. Maddow. Well, mate, Josh Brown's the one. If, if he's linked to the Gades, mm. right, that's disappointing for the the Brisbane crowd. He, he was a mm. bit of a, a fan favourite. Another faller is Mike Atherton not getting his facts right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Sam cringing over there. Well, t- turn around. <laughs> turn around. Can you see it? Turn around. <laughs> there you are. That's going to cheer up. Happy Mate. Valentine's, Brad. I told you. Yeah. I'm laughing. And just before that moment there, <laughs> I said, to, and Michael goes, is he behind you? And I said, yeah. I said, um, I said, watch this. I said, I'll keep going. He said, go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> so all I was doing is congratulating him on his first test week. It's a big moment. Yeah. Let's get behind the line. Well, there's your Valentine's card that you can send Ben to say happy Valentine's and also um, happy 100 tests. B Stokes, congratulations. Mate, there's a couple of hundred partnership there with Clark as well. So I don't know what they're talking about, but I shut up. <laughs> that was Willow Talk this week. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>